0: Hey there, folks. Welcome to another episode of the Cracked Podcast, the podcast all about why being alive is more interesting than people think it is. My name is Alex Schmidt, and I'm the head of podcasting here at Cracked. I am also known as Schmidty the Clam, and I am also, also so excited to welcome back an old, old returning guest to this show. Um, I'm also excited to bring on our human guests today. They are Matt Kirschen and Andy Wood, the hosts of the podcast Probably Science, and also writers and comedians and so much more. Our topic today is the weirdest ways that the media reports science news. Not only can they just get it wrong, they can also get it right In a way that's totally misleading, and we'll get into all kinds of ways why that involve everything from octopuses to new earths to other things that you've probably seen across your social media timeline, or just the internet, man, we all surf it differently. And that old, old guest I mentioned is the Dunning-Kruger effect, one of the first things that the Cracked Podcast ever talked about. And it's a cognitive bias. Aren't those fun? It's how someone who knows very, very little about something can think they know a lot. And I'd like to think that me and Matt and Andy, we all accomplished the reverse. We don't know all that much about some of the scientific disciplines and specialties and discoveries that we'll talk about today. We did try to know about them really, really hard. And we approached them with some humility. And I think that's some of the good news today. That's all it really takes to learn science news properly so why don't we get into the rest of the news please sit back or help yourself remember what the dunning kruger effect is by calling it the michael scott effect which is what i call it you know the boss from the office he thinks he's super super on top of uh, let's say how to run a race so then he eats a bunch of linguine right before that kind of thing either way enjoy this episode of the cracked podcast with my guests matt kirschen and andy wood i'll be back after we wrap up talk to you then And we're talking about all kinds of science today, well, yeah. and how the news uh, tries to report it. Oh, um, it's
1: got a tough job, doesn't it? It's the news right. does with this one.
0: <laughs> I mean, I suppose there's always the element that they are reporting it to, like us, the yeah. public. You know, and, and what and do we know? And you know? I
1: will
2: also say, I bit, uh, in in the defense of at least some of the news, because I, I think some of the things we're going to talk about, some of the publications, particularly thinking like the Daily Mail and other things like that, but. <laughs> that really couldn't give less of a shit. But I think just in their defense, before we spend a fair amount of time slagging them off, which is the bit I'm really looking forward to, (laughs) but in in their defense, like money and budget and everything for any kind of news reporting has shrunk and shrunk shrunk over the years. So I think science, in general, you were lucky if a major publication had someone who really knew what they were doing in charge, but now even less so. Now the person writing the science column is just cribbing from a press release and was is also doing showbiz news and the horoscopes and
1: Right. And across the board in the news, I mean the number of typos I see in giant headlines on major <laughs> news sites today is like, oh there yeah. no one has time for Now anything. it's
2: just like get the story out, we'll <laughs> yeah. fix it later. Well even even like big and reputable publications now, because there is that chase to get the story out, like no like BBC, for example, on their news site, which is still I think one of the top True. ones out there. Yeah. But still if a story comes out, they'll just put it up instantly with like a headline and half a paragraph and more news to come and then you refresh the page every 10 minutes and they just they're literally adding it in real time you can watch them do their work and <laughs> <plightly> <laughs> like they're all right that's good enough go and then just like, basically
1: ev- a google doc the entire public it really is now the news <laughs> is basically an
0: ongoing shared cloud <laughs> publication i think like my all-time favorite misleading news thing is that as of a few years ago all of a sudden there were just a bunch of stories about how octopuses are aliens that just became like front page news on a lot of websites. That, you know what? Hey, you, science says you sent that through to us and and numerous listeners to
2: our podcast sent it to us and at no point have I clicked on any of those stories. I just instantly <laughs> put it on like, Ah, I can't be bothered with yep. this nonsense. So what what is what is the story behind this? I
0: should have done my research on this one. There's there's not a lot to research. Like the story is somebody did a study that was then reported once with like scientists say that the genes of octopuses are, quote brackets, alien, end of the quotes, blah, 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 blah. And the study basically just found the thing that we basically already knew, which is that octopuses are constructed in a really fascinating way. Like, their, their intelligence is distributed throughout their arms and not just their brain. Right. And there's just a lot of things about them that are not how your genes and my genes and many other animals' genes work. So they seem that's to it. come from, like, a fairly early offshoot evolutionarily. Like yeah, they sort of,
2: yeah. I guess that's that yeah. interesting that if they are that far from us cousin-wise, but also have developed a very advanced level of intelligence by animal standards... Yeah. So they they're they're quite far down in imma- right right. They're quite far down the tree the evolution tree in one sense but in another sense also they're just like this weird blobs that just sit there.
1: Like I can't fit myself into a jar. That's a skill set that uh, an octopus has that I'm impressed by.
2: And I gotta <laughs> say that is to Andy's eternal shame. Like he... <laughs> I
1: tried. It's the... well, yeah. So it sounds like this article was was using the word alien to mean foreign or different, which is it's... one of the definitions of the word,
0: right? Because we also forget alien doesn't have to mean green man and a yeah. flying saucer. It could also just mean an. A bunch of incredibly basic things. But you read the headline and you're instantly like, well, this is a squid from Mars. It's like they built the pyramids and then went underwater or something, you know? But it's not. It's just a basic thing. And then also a lot of people, I think especially because we have social media is how we find out all this stuff. A lot of people just see that headline on social and share it. Without bothering to read it, because yeah, like just, I've a already picture. gotten the fun thing. Yeah, there's a picture, there's a headline. That's all you need.
1: I know. <laughs> I mean, this is uh this is going to be a theme throughout this episode, I'm sure, which is the fact that we're an attention-based economy now, and clickbait yeah. is not going anywhere anytime soon. And uh, <laughs> yeah, who would not? Yeah. It's much <laughs> more fun to share the article about alien octopuses than about just they are interesting.
2: Yeah, and this is also something I think this is going to come up more throughout this podcast so we talk about different types of stories, but. And also we've already touched on this, but the problem again with how the media works now is you have the scientists, the team, the, the head of the study and their underlings and they work for a long time and they then write up their paper and then it gets sent off to be refereed and sometimes even before it's refereed it hits the press, sometimes even before it gets goes through all the referencing and checking process. but. Yeah. Even let's say it has. Even let's say it's gone through and it's actually been published in a major journal. It's it then that journal or that science department at the university has a press release written by their PR department, who is already not the person who did the study <laughs> yeah. and is already looking for something that you know will in some way m- make it pop. Yeah. So they're already writing something that it's maybe gone through a second level of publicist for the like the next level of press release, and then it goes to the junior intern at the newspaper <laughs> yeah. who gets chucked onto science because it's the least interesting of the or, or yeah. the least pertinent of the various stories. And
1: who skims that press release for words like alien. Yeah. And then, yeah. So it's just <laughs> it's it's science it's a game uh, of science telephone and, and you're then, lucky that anything real gets That's exactly
0: aliens. it. It's been filtered through four non-experts by the time it gets to our eyes. Because I'm realizing also as we speak about the PR department and the department of the newspaper very generally like the science department like they keep it that general at those publications, even though it's very hard to know everything about science. Like, there's a lot of specialties, yeah. man. Right. But they just will throw it at, like, I don't know, a science writer. It's such an obvious
2: thing, but isn't obvious. It, and it's something we even came across with our podcast. Well, firstly, we're non-expert. We have science, like, undergrad degrees, and that's about it. Andy did a little bit of work beyond that, but that's about as far mm. as we go. We have real scientist listeners who listen to probably Science, and in the early days when they were writing in, I'd be talking on air go, why are you, what are you listening to? We're idiots, why are you... <laughs> you're above you're, this. You're experts, and then it took one of those scientists to write in and go, you know, I'm only an expert in the science that I do. I'm an astrophysicist or whatever that person was, so marine biology is, I'm as much of a layperson in that subject as someone who has zero science background. Maybe a tiny bit more, maybe you've got better critical thinking when it comes to science, but you're still... Yeah. you're only an expert in your field and a few related fields
1: and maybe you've even gotten more humble with what your expertise range is because it's sort of the opposite of the Dunning-Kruger effect which I'm sure we'll get into at some point
0: yeah we, it's come up on the show before oh, okay we, don't have, uh, we can just uh, yeah, call not, that call not that, every, that, every week but yeah friend sure. of the show Dunning-Kruger so, uh, I don't know if I don't know the opposite
1: <laughs> or if the converse of Dunning-Kruger is true where like the more you know the more you're aware of what you don't know but I'd like to think that's true yeah. well, I, so, I, think,
2: I think that is true in general but you're saying it's almost more sort of So not, if you're, if you're it would a also special be a on adjacent subjects. So you might, even though you're not an expert in marine biology, say, because you are an expert in another science, you are better placed to know how non-expert you are you, in these adjacent you, you or You know how much time sizes. you spend on astrophysics,
1: yeah. and you can imagine how much time it would take someone to be a cephalopod expert. So you would be like, okay, far, I'm definitely not going to try to expect yes. that I'll reach a range of expertise and I, in this quickly. Exactly, yeah. and they're,
0: they're, that might well be the case. Yeah, I've never thought about it. It's like culturally, I feel like we'll use shorthand like that person's like a rocket scientist. Yep. But not only do rocket scientists only know a lot about rockets specifically, at least by by nature, they also feel like they're dummies about octopuses. That's amazing.
2: Sure.
1: <laughs> yeah, also, I'm
0: going to butcher the quote, but Richard Feynman had that. sort of I'm smart enough to
2: know I'm stupid. Or... Yeah, yeah.
1: And I had a friend who worked as a rocket scientist. And uh, at some point during some project, someone actually unironically said, this isn't rocket science. Like, no, this is, this is actually rocket science. <laughs> <laughs> we are building rockets.
0: Uh. <laughs> well, and uh, I, I enjoy your show quite a bit, and also just science in general, because there is a lot to pick up all the time. And, like, for instance, I didn't know anything about brown pandas until I heard your show. And that's, that's a whole other species that there's things going on with it, and it seems really, really hard to report. I hadn't even heard
2: of them until, I think it was two episodes ago, where suddenly they're, a, they're an offshoot... Yeah. They're Almost. like
1: a, a geographically uh, isolated group that became sort of inbred and, hence, uh, and then became even cuter because of their brownness.
0: <laughs> right, because this isn't like a red panda where it's a very different species. This is like the general panda you think of if you're listening. just a bit smaller and less
2: distinct coloration.
0: Yeah, it's like it faded in a copier or something. Like It's, it's not uh, it's a white and black, it's white and like a brownish. They're a slight genetic <laughs> mutation and therefore
2: perfect for Instagram. Because as we've established in general, Instagram is mostly now animals
0: that are slightly off. And right, and as you said, it's like a kind of geographic specific maybe in bread offshoot. But stories about it will be something like in 2016, the Daily Mail's headline was, He is slower but cuter. Meet the world's only brown panda, Chizai, as his keeper reveals funny details of the bear's life. And it's like saying there is just one panda that is like this at all Right. When that's not true. That is absolutely not true. <laughs> I think it's the only one in captivity, maybe, or the only one... Yeah.
2: Yeah, because, uh, again, this is a mutation that has spread. You know, a mutation that they are able to reproduce. They exist. It's like officially a subspecies now. Or at least some yes, people believe so, is. and they're
0: trying to figure it out.
2: Well, this is something... I only found out fairly recently through doing our show that a species is not what we were taught at school. Yeah, Or or the
1: definition of species is not not simple. Speciation is a very... We both thought it was if they can breed and have viable Viable offspring offspring. who can then also reproduce, they are a member of the same species. But it's a lot more complicated than that. Yeah,
2: I think that's sort of going to be an ongoing thing through this episode is just the news and the press likes very simple and likes clear-cut, and this. they like black and white. This, and that's like, true across the press. It's not just when they're reporting science, when they're reporting politics or sport or anything. People like, you know, we like goodies and baddies. We like clear-cut. Right. This is the biggest. This is the smallest or whatever. And the truth is, science is is muddy. It's messy. It's, it's com- convoluted. And now... Yeah, the definition... That sounds like work. (laughs) I know, right? It's almost like that's why it takes real scientists many, many years to even get halfway good at their craft.
1: This Daily Mail article, I'm skimming it to see how they could possibly say that there's just literally one of these pandas. They say it's thought to be the only living panda in the world. It's like, thought by whom? Thought thought by the author of this
0: article. Thought by Tony, who had about half an hour to file his story. (laughs) Yeah, because well, because there's a lot of uh, articles on Cracked about just like news literacy in general, mostly toward politics, and we'll we'll link to that in the description. But when I read that headline, I didn't read that it's meet the quote mark world's only brown panda end quote mark. And then if you look at the subheadlines and the story they really really lean on the phrase is thought to be. Like <laughs> so basically everything is predicated with is thought to be. An insider says right. <laughs> right. <laughs> like a, f- a friend of the panda
2: <laughs> claimed
0: <laughs> a high level stick of bamboo says that this panda. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was once tweeted that well and cuz uh, yeah those kind of weasel words like this shows not about the president but he'll like in just saying things, he wants to say. Oh, often frame it as everybody saying this thing. Yeah. yeah, And like, I think that's made people aware of that weasel wording now. But it's been around forever, and, and it's been used all the time. And particularly now, we're, now social media
2: is so prevalent that the press now has a new trick. You used to actually have to, if you wanted to be in any way rigorous or reputable, yeah. you needed to actually go on the street and find people and actually sort of attribute a quote. But now you can just go on Twitter and <laughs> type in a search term, and as long as you find one person who has said something approximating the other side that you want to present, right. you can then just go, people have said... You go, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, G-F-D-O-A-A underscore five has <laughs> right. said this one thing. You go, okay, fine. Now, now you've found your counterpoint.
1: Yeah. That is a source, a single that is, tweet from... That is a
2: legitimate source now that you see in newspapers of just some people are people are outraged and you look at who those people are and it's quoting three anonymous twitter
0: accounts right and and online like sometimes they'll embed it and so then you see like oh it got all these likes and retweets i guess that has some weight other times they embed it and it has three two no likes like, yes it's and you just go, like, something someone tweeted you
2: literally <laughs> again we're just filing the story you had a deadline you needed to find Your editor told you you need at least one counterpoint or you need something to support it and you just jumped on the search (laughs) box on Twitter and you found that one half phrase and you just embed it. Yeah, whenever I see that as well, that one does get me when you see literally zero retweets, two likes and one comment and you go, what, what is the relevance of this human? Right, Out of right. the millions of people aware of this story and on social media, you found that one
1: no-book. Yeah. It didn't occur to me until this exact moment, but we should have a moment of silence for the the man on the street segment, which is probably gone now that someone could just grab a tweet. Uh, yeah. But that, there was an era when a reporter would have to go and get, get – True also probably a dumbass, but a but, random but, dumbass but on the street <laughs> of whatever city <laughs> at and least then you ask their <laughs> opinion about something, which is also as illegitimate as a single tweet picked out of the Twitterverse. Yep. But, but at the
2: very least, you had to go walking around the three blocks. You had to yeah. stand <laughs> outside <laughs> your building, which yeah. presumably was in a fairly busy part of the city, and you'd send your junior cub <laughs> reporter out onto the street with a camera. And get them to sign a release form and ask them, ask them the question. And you, you have to probably ask sort of twenty or thirty people before you find the quote that you need. Mm, right. <laughs> which <laughs> might also then give you an idea of how non-popular that opinion is if it takes if you and might colour how you then write the story if you realise that it takes you fifty people to find the one view right. that. Supports so, that.
0: Sounds like work. Oh, I know, no. it really, it really does. Now,
2: <laughs> now you just type, who says this? <laughs> Only brown panda
0: in existence, C- question sent. Oh well, that that's a huge thing too. Like question, any headline with a question mark on the end is the answer is no. Yes, right. right. What's, there's a, there's <laughs> a term,
1: there's a there's a rule for that in journalism. Right? Oh, I forgot what it is, but someone's law. Or someone's whatever. law. If a headline has a question mark, is a, ends in a question mark? The answer is no. Otherwise, they wouldn't right. have done the question. Yeah. Mark. yeah.
2: <laughs> is this proof that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Will, you, will something in your yeah.
1: kitchen cabinet kill you? No, actually, no.
2: There's a specific branch of fake story that I'd love to talk about. Oh yes, and yeah, I, I d- Only really, I've forgotten about it until just now when we're talking about, but beyond just the PR department, the filter of the game of telephone and ending in a bad story, there's a specific commissioned bad science story that I believe there are publicity departments, there are publicists who specialize in this, which is just a brand wants to get some free advertising in a newspaper, so they commission a scientist to come up with an equation that will support their story. And it'll be... Like a formula. Exactly. the 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 fake formula or the fake study. And it goes very simply, like a travel insurance company wants to find out what the safest day of the year to go on holiday is. And it's a nonsense thing. And they'll commission some scientist who is probably just a postdoc or a researcher who needs just a little bit of spare cash but has (laughs) enough vague credentials mm-hmm. and then they'll commission this study and that person will just knock out some old bullshit and they will then plant the story and be like this is the June 16th is statistically the safest day of the year to go <laughs> yeah. on holiday according to a study commissioned by Thompson's Vacation or you, whatever. You at
1: least hope they include that in the well, article. Well they do. Yeah, they, they usually do. They, they yeah.
2: usually do because they know that now that's the deal that's the dance that the newspaper is in with the publicity department uh, uh, with the PR people they go like we will send you this free content that will give you this nonsense bullshit splash this right. is the quickest way to eat ice cream according to a scientist <laughs> and Wall's ice cream company in the, who commissioned the study so all it is is basically an, a company getting right. free advertising or very cheap advertising they have to pay the, pub, the PR department who then pay the scientist but it's marginal compared to what it would cost to get a half page splash in 50 different newspapers and they just send out the press release a few newspapers initially pick it up and then everyone now steals from each other in the news because again there's no resources and everyone's just cribbing from the same sources. Yeah. It lands in like Metro and then it gets picked up by the Daily Mail and then it somehow cr- and then it crosses the Atlantic and like it ends up as a small piece on Fox and they just like Yeah. It it spreads around the world and every time this nonsense formula is quoted so is the brand.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's enough to make a person not trust science, which I want to make clear to your listeners. We're not trying to say that like, science is, I believe, firmly in the scientific method. Yes, it's, yes. It's people that are flawed and people who can bring to things their own biases. Well, but, like, the method itself, when, when executed correctly, is, is the only hope we have as a species of gaining <laughs> knowledge about I, the world. And also,
2: <laughs> I, I, the, th- the, th- the thing that kills me about those stories as well is there are also bits of science that feel like that th- that are actually really interesting and really valuable. I know there's something like the Ig Nobel
0: Prize that gets handed out every year. Oh, isn't that, it spelled like Ig Nobel sort of? Yeah, exactly. It's, a, yeah, it's like a very, very bad research work. It no, it's not it's actually not bad. Even, it's yeah, like a Razzie. It's, for it,
2: <laughs>
1: not, not <even laughs> that. it's
0: actually more things that feel silly or feel inconsequential
2: but are done seriously. Oh,
1: yeah. uh, it celebrates 10 unusual or trivial achievements in scientific research. So oh, they, that's it's awesome. They're real, but <laughs> trivial. So, but, the, yeah. but
2: there are there are real branches of science that feel like that kind of thing or feel like the the real nonsense. Like, you know, these formulae, are really, they're utter nonsense. I mean, they really are. Just someone, a researcher who just wants some extra cash, and they're like, oh, screw it, I'll lend my name to this nonsense, and it'll help me to then spend h- h- half a year doing the science I really want to do just by giving the best time of day to get a haircut or whatever <laughs>
1: <laughs> but there are it's there are, after it's after lunch by the way Oh uh, yeah, exactly. Everyone
2: knows. Everyone knows.
1: <laughs> some people say the best time to get your hair <laughs> yeah, cut exactly. is after lunch. <laughs> exactly.
2: Yeah, the stock fit the stock picture that's next to it that they've just got <laughs> from Shutterstock that is just a man looking at a test tube.
1: Oh man, that's a whole branch of science reporting that's great too. It's whoever picks the stock images. Oh, great. <laughs> like the number of articles related to uh, you know erectile dysfunction or some new drug. and, and it's, it's it's always shallow depth of field picture yeah. in the distance is a woman on the bed and in the <laughs> foreground in focus uh is a man facing away from the camera <laughs> yeah. with a towel open to her uh, yeah. have you seen this or, picture right uh, yeah. I, this is like the, the yeah. go-to it's a penis penis slightly similar to but stock. different
2: one where he's like facing away and looking down a little bit despondent
1: yeah I mean, that's if they haven't solved the problem but if he's like hey look i did it he's opening the <laughs> yeah. towel and oh. she's on the bed voila
2: and- erection <laughs> right uh, but yeah that the, the- there was one stock science photo that I saw someone tweet out the other day. that was someone next to a telescope wearing a lab coat and I think even goggles. I'm, but I'm going to say goggles, maybe not, but certainly at the very least a lab coat next to a telescope pointing up at the sky. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> just,
1: That's uh, where it is. Yeah.
2: Space. <laughs> Space is up that way. <laughs> while I wear my protective <laughs> lab coat to protect me from possible space spills.
0: Right.
2: <laughs> so, so none of that space gets on my shirt. But there, there is real science that feels like those kind of points. Like, like, for example, there was a story a while back about um, new ways discovered to tie ties, or, it might be shoel- or tie shoelaces. And, <laughs> and, and they're actually really interesting. Well, there was one study about why shoelaces come undone in certain situations when you move and it was actually really interesting dynamics it was really interesting oh. engineering and it was sort of it it was talking about how at certain walking speeds the speed that the end of the shoelaces can accelerate to and I was like at, that then has real world consequences oh. there's real science there or when you're talking about ways of tying ties I'm, my degree was in mathematics and okay, then you yeah. get into knot theory which is a branch of topology which is actually really interesting and gets into quite fundamental mathematics so you go like oh so boffins boffins is always a good word for the british press always use boffins for scientists <laughs> boffins have discovered new ways to tie a tie and it's like I, look what, at these spending their nonsense research money these boffins is boffin does that like mean dumb scientists directly no, not not dumb scientists but it's like i guess point desk point desta or oh, uh, yeah, okay. like oh, a okay. nicer version of nerd or, yeah. or more specifically Again. nerd with a degree just sort of qualified Oh, yeah. NASA is full of boffins.
1: Has anybody uh, done the sort of take back of a word and started a podcast and uh, an empire based around this? I don't know. <laughs>
2: boffin because Boffin isn't actually that pejorative. It is more just a general sort of British tabloid slang for scientists slash smart people. But they go like they've they've spent all this research money just trying to find out new ways to tie ties or whatever. And you go, actually, it's that gets into really interesting fundamental mathematics that
0: Never mind. Right. If All you right. actually did the physics and the, I guess it's engineering kind of. Like if you actually looked into it, yeah, something there. There.
2: Great. Great. there is there is really interesting <laughs> things there that actually. <laughs> firstly, not that science has to have consequences to be worthwhile or valid, but it do, but it does also there are things that can come from that that actually branch off into really important areas of math and science.
1: It shouldn't be the job of a researcher to justify on a day-to-day basis the expenditure of of money on whatever they're very specific. Like, we did a story about about duck penises a while back that was very interesting, (laughs) and I feel like it's one of those things that if someone is pushing for small government and wants to defund science, they can point to those, like, look at these guys wasting money on duck penises. But if everybody who's studying anything has to, in the moment, justify exactly how this is going to be lucrative... Go like, this we will
2: be able to make a faster car. Okay. right? It's like the
1: space program. There's so many things. Not that you even have to justify the space program with the things that come out of it, like pens or whatever. <laughs> the science isn't about immediate results that, no. are, uh, that and
2: are... You're absolutely right. And the truth is you never actually know when you're doing this what, which things are actually going to end up being fundamentally important or valuable or make a difference or really change things. Yeah, the space program, so much had to be created and discovered in the process of getting people into space and onto the moon that has subsequently spun off. And also just generally the fact that it inspired an entire generation of people to get into stem subjects and therefore who yeah. knows how many consequential things happened as a result of just the inspiration from that process. Yeah, yeah, people sure.
1: get mad about, you know, Elon Musk shooting the Tesla into space. It's like, well, he had this new rocket that wasn't ready for a real payload. They had to have some kind of payload. Yeah. Why not do that? I'm not mad that he didn't <laughs> spend that money on a food bank or something. Like to say it's everything is is like a zero sum game well, and and, we and, should... and
2: you really don't know, like even this is a bit off science, but like Steve Jobs credited the fact that he took a calligraphy course during his brief oh, yeah. stint at university with then deciding on the aesthetic qualities of what he wanted the Mac display to look like the fact that it didn't have oh, okay. fixed width yeah uh, the,
1: the, the first the initial sans serif font that was on yeah
2: l- lettering and just just th- little things like that that you just go oh this he's doing this waste of time this waste of time nonsense dos subject yeah. for a, a couple of credits But actually that was the weird thing that then inspired him to separate himself from the other computers in a different...
0: Yeah, he's on my mind because we were talking about it off mic. There's a Kurt Vonnegut line about him just wanting writers to have learned something besides the history of literature and the trade of writing. Like also know anything else. Because then I think the quote is like, literature disappears up its own asshole otherwise. (laughs) It's just all referencing itself and it's all nothing, you know? So this drive to like make science have to
2: justify itself. I think it is a very dangerous one and and is reinforced sometimes by how it's
0: reported. Yeah. Well, and especially space is such a great touchstone for that because one of my favorite genres of kind of misleading, weird science news is anytime there's a new Earth-like planet. We've had a lot of stories about that in particular because there's some new telescopes that are great at finding them. It's very exciting. Mm -hmm. And that's cool on its own, but the headlines of the stories almost always act like, this Earth-like planet has been found, and it's full of trees and animals, and we're going tomorrow. Yeah, so like, artist <laughs> rendering, it's green
1: and blue, it's like lost in space, where so they assume if you land, you can take off your helmet right away, and it's like, oh, it's uh, 78% nitrogen, 21% oxygen. Yes. Perfect. It yeah. just and they have out. cable. Yeah. <laughs> just,
2: that is, again, that sort of extrapolation of... Because people want the big story, and again, they're writing these things in a hurry. Here's another big extrapolation problem that a scientific team will discover that a particular chemical has a negative effect on a certain type of cancer cell in a Petri dish, and that particular molecule is found in a certain type of food, and then it gets passed down the PR chain, and by the time it hits the (laughs) Daily Mail, it's like eating this cake cures prostate cancer. Yeah. And it just, like... <laughs> <laughs> like, right. it, it's exactly, like, it's so many levels removed from the truth. You're like, nope, no, 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 no. The, the molecule that is found in this food has so far been shown if you just put that and this type of cancer cell together in a dish in a high enough concentration... Will have a limiting effect on that
0: cell's growth. I feel like that happens with food all the time too. Like really it Cho- does. it's
1: chocolate. Every week is a new thing. Either chocolate, chocolate kills yeah. you or or makes yeah. you live to Well, there years. was. We
0: were, I, I don't know if it still exists, but there
2: was a website that because the day I, again I grew up in the Britain where the Daily Mail is one not not the only but certainly one of the most serial offenders with this. But there's a website yeah. that specifically categorizes. All things according to the Daily Mail as to whether they
0: cure cancer, (laughs) cause cancer, or both. It never quite came together, but it cracked at one point. We were going to do... Just an ongoing article about <laughs> eggs becoming good or bad for you. All of the no, time, no, like yeah, just yeah. every time there's a new story, just reverse it every time. Like, well, article number one seventy seven has reversed it again. They are now bad for you, and then like later they'll be good for you. Uh, just could right. like, Just
1: build a Chrome plugin, like before Abe, Abe Vigoda died, where that you could have a thing in your browser <laughs> that just had Abe Vigoda's current living status. It's just a, the eggs. Red cur- yeah, eggs, day, though. Yeah, eggs are good. Wine today. as, as well as the
2: other one. Like wine, red yeah. wine, particularly is.
1: There's no winning right. with the alcohol studies. There's no <laughs> consistency. <laughs> yes. Honestly, like I've I've seen like two glasses a day extends your life by ten years, uh, or but those people, and there are so many mitigating factors that they don't other factors that aren't controlled for, like those people that maybe drink two gla- glasses a day might have robust social life later in life because they're drinking out with friends, where people right. who are isolated so you have to control for isolation and things like that. That yeah. so it's not people who drink red wine
2: specifically are uh, possibly in a slightly richer or slightly higher social class as well which then means that they have better access to healthcare.
1: Right. So these things could be correlated and have no causal relationship but it still gets reported because those Cause people everyone, did actually because people want to
2: also justify what it is that they do. The truth is probably if I had to guess drinking any alcohol in general is probably bad for you. Probably on the yeah. balance of things. It, but, it, it is a, a low level not good for you but, no matter what. But <laughs> if it improves your quality of life, then
0: why why not do it? Yeah, too thoughtful. Not a headline. <laughs> Get it out of here. Now I'm realizing that like food is planets in in news reporting in headline because like because this habitable planet thing like there was one NASA NASA release about a planet being in what's called the habitable zone, which right. is just a measurement term for like. Okay, size of the star versus how far the planet is away. It's approximately relative to like Earth's proportion versus It's not going to be over That's 300 it. degrees during the day. It's not going to be like -200
2: degrees at night. It's going to be yeah. roughly Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. going to be approximately within the
0: range of temperatures that Earth is. <laughs> and then and then from there like and not not just daily mail places like there's um, space.com is is a good site I find usually uh, for space news and then they headlined it as bound first earth-sized planet that could support life in April 2014 about, uh, it was called Kepler-186 was this planet. But then if you look at, like, clearer reporting somewhere else, the I think it was the LA Times, we'll double check, the LA Times said, experts don't know if the planet, described in Friday's edition of the journal Science, actually has water or a protective atmosphere. They don't even know its mass. Right. End quote. Well, so, I mean, like, they don't know a lot, guys. Th- like, there's <laughs> no,
1: I, I think most people don't know, how looking for exoplanets looks. like so this refers to any planet outside of our solar system but still in our galaxy. And the only way we see these planets is by looking at stars and seeing either variations in their movement indicating that there's something orbiting around it. and you can yeah. tell because even though we orbit the sun, the sun also or the sun and earth orbit their mu- mutual center yeah. of mass. So it's just like off center of so we cause a wobble to the sun by orbiting around it. Other stars that have planets would wobble slightly from those planets' orbit. And then also occasionally those planets would pass in front of, between us and that star. So if you're looking at that star, it suddenly gets a little bit dimmer. And you can also do... At a regular periodic event. Right. But I mean, that's th- there's not much granularity there. We're not getting pictures. We're just able to... And it's amazing we get so much information that we as we do. But this is a really
2: new science as well. Yeah. Yeah. When, when I was a kid, we thought there were pretty much no exoplanets within our accessible galaxy, where then they get bits of the galaxy that we could see. Yeah. And, and now they've, it turns out there's hundreds.
1: So we talked with uh, someone who studies exoplanets, Alexandra Lockwood, and she explained this in more detail. If you want to go back, this is our episode from May 28th, 2013. And it's, it's amazing how much information you can get, considering you don't get an actual picture of that planet. But you can derive some information about its composition and and infer some things about its atmosphere but none of this results in those artist renderings that you see accompanying these articles. Yeah. Like we're, it, it's, it's a great field and it's very impressive but we don't have to sexy it up that much by saying things like Battlestar Galactica fans eat your heart out, Earth-like planet discovered just a stone's throw away from it. it uh, it's, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: from Metro UK. Good uh, Metro UK. Perfect. But this also gets into something I know you wanted to talk about which is there's a problem with reproducibility and replication of science. And that's largely because the way it's reported and the way
0: yeah.
2: it's, it's of value to science departments and individual scientists who are wanting to make their name and get their professorship and get their fellowships and get their research money. It's important to get these big headlines and get these stories out and get this sort of glory. Yeah. And there's no glory in doing something a second time or repeating results, which means that there really is a problem with science not being tested enough. The way the scientific method works, obviously, is you you propose something, you test it, but then also you have to retest it. Good science should be reproducible. You should find that a separate team who followed your methods will come up with the same results. But it's hard to find that separate team that is willing to bother to do that stuff right. just because... Yeah, is that, well, what are we going to do? We're, now we're just doing their work a second time and the team that finds it the first time isn't going to want to do it again because there's no real value in reporting a negative. There's, It's not right. the sexy story. You're not going to get in the press. You're not going to get in the science papers if you, if you just go, yeah, we did this study for a while and we found it had a null result, <laughs> which is scientifically very interesting, but it's not sexy. It's not splashy.
0: Yeah, especially to contradict your own thing yes. later is like not uh, – does not make you look good even though you ought to check your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't – because wasn't there uh, – I think it was a year or two ago maybe there was a big thing about a lot of psychology studies. There was some sort of cross-examination of them them. they found like, oh, a lot of these are difficult to replicate and so maybe we need to take some steps back on – what we think of how people think just in a basic way
2: I believe and this is getting towards the edge of my knowledge because it's way off anything that I had any level of study in but (laughs) I think psychology really does have some of it also has problems because some of the studies that are still in the literature were done decades ago when let's just say ethics rules were less rigorous You could you could do certain things that you maybe couldn't do
0: nowadays because they would not be considered right or fair. Now hold on, hold on. Are you saying that people in the past were (laughs) less thoughtful than we are today? That they were less cool about other people? Hold on. I'm
2: saying yeah, it depends (laughs) on. You know, I'm just saying. For example, you know, maybe nowadays, unlike in the 1700s, you couldn't just inject a child with smallpox <laughs> after first giving them
0: cowpox and seeing if that kid survives right or making them grow up without language in one room of your castle yes exactly like-
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I I worked on on a sh- uh, on a science show that was trying to be you know everyone has the best of intentions when they're trying to make things that are Popular science related. Yeah. But it was a psychology-based show. And the directive we had was that these things should be recreations of classic psychology experiments that are that have a wow factor, that are visual, that are groundbreaking, and scientifically valid. I'm like, well, the intersection of all those things is like the null set sort of. If you want to recreate classic psychology experiments, the ones you all studied in Psych 101. Those are all totally illegal and unethical. Like right. You can't do the Stanford Prison <laughs> Experiment now where you have undergrads actually abusing each other because they're acting like wardens and prisoners. Right. Uh, you can't do the Milgram Experiment where someone thinks they may have just killed somebody with electric shock.
0: <laughs> yeah, right. You can't
1: do the Bobo Doll thing where you – are extremely violent to a doll in front of a child to see if that child then acts violently. And guess what? It does. Like kids learn (laughs) violence and they did in that study. You can't carve up an animal in front of a kid with markers on their face to track facial expressions. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) Traumatize.
0: Well, because I'm realizing that when I took psychology in high school, I was simultaneously taking a history class. Right. History is often a story of maniacs being terrible. And so since I had that back to back with a class about old psychology experiments i was just like yeah right these are both about maniacs like it's fine you know yeah, it makes yeah sense. and you know like- <laughs> there's horrible trait
2: of like you know racism and oh, misogyny God, that's yeah. gone through and just you know think horrible things that have been done over the years because people gave less of a shit about people who didn't look like them but that's also another problem that comes in with science as well even like nowadays i'm there are problem it's becoming increasingly clear that certain medicines for example work differently on different ethnic groups, on different uh, sexes. Yeah. And it turns out that if your medicine is largely has largely over the years been tested on white men, then
0: right. you're going to have a problem. It, well, isn't it especially testing it on, like, white men who are in their early 20s and go to colleges? Right. Because that tends to be a lot of study subjects. Exactly. So then yeah. suddenly it turns
2: out that what's in the medical literature is, is off because this doesn't affect people who aren't in that slim category the same way.
1: Yeah, yeah. this could also affect psychology and like evolutionary psychology, which a lot of times is just a polling of undergrads who are a pretty homogeneous <laughs> right. group in like a very narrow age range and socioeconomic <laughs> range, and they all answered your questions about who they want to sleep with, and then you inferred from that what all... <laughs> Human evolution yeah. related to sex. And then again, it goes just by it goes,
2: filter, it gets passed down the chain, and then you get the headline that's just like, all men want to sleep with everyone, no women like sex. Right. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that we're, it's like, oh, so all white men are the same. No, we're saying that, like, a group of white men who all took the same standardized test and then were admitted based on meeting a score, a lot of them are similar. Yeah. you know like they, they were at, rigorously same. And at the you know? very
2: <laughs> least, you'd want to have some more tests to check to see if if the thing you're studying does have relevance outside of that group. It yeah. might be that in this particular case, they are a perfect sample
0: for the general population. It might also not be. Yeah, yeah, well and because also with all this stuff like, this stuff we're talking about, there are some scientists who are aware of it. There's work being done to replicate things more. There's work being done to, like, get better samples of people. Uh, but then there's also people just, like, goofing off. There's a cracked article. It's five dumb science problems that are causing real damage by Cedric Votes. And he, one thing that's coming up is that occasionally there are journals that will do, like, a gag issue at Christmas or something like that or for April Fool's or something uh-huh. with some, like, okay. gag studies in it.
2: I can already and see then, where this is going.
0: People just lose track of the fact that those were gags and then they get cited in real papers. Yeah. Which is, first of all, use that time for something boring like replication. Like, you can go to an open mic if you want to do bits. You right. Know? Uh, but also, like, please, 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 like, mark it or something that it's a joke, it's a gag. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> have that tag that they now force Onion articles to have or that Facebook now puts on oh, those when yeah. you share them. It says so. Well, there's time. also the, it, yeah.
2: the whole, and this is a wider problem with publication but there's now a subcategory of websites that claims to be like The Onion, but is just lies. Yes. That is just like, this is a satire site. It isn't, though. This is a clickbait site that has stories that are vaguely plausible, but are lies.
1: And there's no joke in it, so don't say it's satire. (laughs) Nothing about this would make you laugh. It's just a thing that would make somebody... Mad or excited and forward, and without going through your about section to find in the tiniest spot possible that you're quote unquote satire site,
0: right? Like and calling it a a name like the Eagle Independent is like not helpful for me (laughs) realizing it's satire. Yeah, the the Onion is called the Onion. It's not called FoxNews.biz or (laughs) CNN.org or whatever, which is the half these sites seems to have. Man, CNN.org must get a billion clicks. One joke study picked out in, in this correct article is in 2001, it was a gag Christmas issue of a journal where they did a study called Effects of Remote Retroactive Intercessory Prayer on Outcomes in Patients with Bloodstream Infection, colon, randomized control trial. It sounds very real. It's actually just like a not even very funny joke about like uh, trying to measure prayers and if they work. It's like it doesn't really, it's also like maybe offensive to religious people, honestly. Uh, But they publishes like a bit and then it was cited unironically in a paper in 2009 and that (laughs) paper's page says that that paper's been cited 17 times since then. Oh God! Right, So, so by this time it's already,
2: even if you realize that the first paper was, Joke slash lie.
0: Yeah, it's now
2: been passed so far down the chain that it's actually hard to uh, hard to get back to the original.
0: Yeah, right. Because it, it just keeps moving so quickly that there's nothing you can do about it. So yeah, so they. I feel like they should watch out for doing gag studies just to entertain themselves because especially if you give it a title like that, I'm I'm not smart enough to know that's a bit. Like I'll just see it later and think it's real.
1: Yeah. Why can't that be something you put up in the coffee you know, in the in the kitchen for your office to make each other laugh and not muddy the waters of coffee. Because then you won't
2: see how many likes it gets on the internet and you won't get the buzz that we now all get from seeing something go semi viral that get Oh, people have shared my thing. Yeah, but it, it, it is one of those things. If I saw that study and actually spent enough time passing that sentence, the title, to work out what it was it actually meant. My first thought would be, that seems a little bit dubious, and I'd be wondering if it's going to end up being disproved. My thought wouldn't be, oh, what a hilarious joke. What what a textbook April Fool's gag that is, (laughs) because again, it's, it's... And it's one thing to to do
1: this on April 1st, but like you said, some of these are Christmas jokes. And I don't think Christmas jokes are a thing. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, I don't associate
0: Christmas with pranking. No, no. (laughs) Like, why? Yeah. (laughs) And there's also another virality thing that is less of a on-purpose prank, but more of a just, hey, we're having fun in the lab, right? Is that occasionally scientists are... Choosing to name something they've discovered like something funny or something kind of silly. Right. And then it becomes tricky for people to understand what the thing is in the first place. Like there is a silly example where researchers found a gene related to cancer that mutates very rapidly. And so they were like, we'll call it the Pokemon gene. Ha <laughs> ha ha ha. Because like Pokemon evolve, right? Isn't that funny? And then Pokemon <laughs> USA like sued them. They were very upset about it because they didn't want to be associated with cancer and they're right, you know. But that's like more silly. There's also like modern examples where scientists, instead of doing a very clinical name for something, will give it just a name. Uh, For instance, what we know as the Ebola virus is named after a specific river, the Ebola River. But uh, according to the scientists who named it when they were interviewed later, they said, actually, there's no connection between the hemorrhagic fever and the Ebola River. Indeed, the Ebola River isn't even the closest river to the Yambuku mission, which is where they're working on it. But in our entirely fatigued state, that's what we ended up calling the virus, Ebola. Like, be clearer about that. It's yeah. a geographically connected
1: disease. Well, all, like, also, oh, it, my God. <laughs> and Someone who has a cruise booked down the Ebola River after this s- article <laughs> comes out is yeah. probably going to have to change their plans.
0: If, yeah, they probably oh, yeah. pretty
2: much kill the tourism industry around there. Just, oh, boy. yeah, <laughs> Just the, the horrible, painful death river. Right. <laughs>
0: yeah cause like, cause, and there's other diseases too where this has happened like for instance the so-called swine flu not transmitted by pigs so like if you're watching out for swine flu uh, you don't know how to watch out for it right that, that was actually <laughs> that was news to me right now I didn't I assumed that it was in some way connected to why is it called swine flu I think it. They just decided to call it that, and it led to like there was an outbreak in two thousand nine. This flu is a real
2: swine, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right? Like that when there was an outbreak in two thousand nine, some countries banned pork imports because they were like, "Oh, we'll stop the swine flu." And like that's not how it works. That has, so that didn't. And that, you're like, just hurting screwed over. an industry
1: that was on. Yeah. That's, yeah, why are you guys punishing us?
0: And then another big one from history is that there's been some stuff in Smithsonian, which I read a lot about the 100th anniversary of the 1918 flu
1: epidemic. Yeah, you know, how, are guys, we're how are you guys celebrating this summer? <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I got a lot of pranks at Christmas, so I can't do it then. But, uh, <laughs> but they, uh, they're they like looking, celebrating it. And one thing I learned from that is um, it was called the Spanish flu at the time, and even kind of today, this outbreak right after World War I. And it was called that because it was in the papers in Spain a lot like it was widely reported there and in other countries that were also experiencing it they were just censoring the press more because it was wartime and so they talked about it less and so then people assumed oh it's in the paper a lot in Spain it must be a Spanish flu Lesson learned, don't Uh, cover
1: epidemics (laughs) (laughs) you'll be punished
2: for your accurate and thorough reporting
0: yeah (laughs) right
2: (laughs) just because the Spanish journalists were better or at least weren't restricted in the same way they got completely
0: yeah,
1: yeah. 5% of the world's population died from this, and we blamed Spain. Like, that's, <laughs> right. Was it you, was 5%. It? So, to, I mean, today the US's population is in the 300 millions or so, which is about 5% of 7 billion. So it would be as if the entire US died of this thing. Yeah. But, it not was, to be it's uh, a It's not a not landmark. To it down.
0: Well, it's, it, like, it, like you're saying, it's a landmark amount of history. And they were also trying to like stop its spread at the time. But everybody was like, ah, this flu from Spain, right? Those and like, standards. yeah, like, Trust me, you stay clear of
2: maracas, you'll be fine. (laughs) Keep those castanets away from yourself, and
0: you are guaranteed to be entirely flu-free. The reporting could be better. I would really like it if we were just better about, like, naming the things uh, for all sorts of, for I don't know, offensiveness, accuracy, everything.
1: (laughs) Yeah, to know what to be scared of and what not to be scared of and not to enforce any uh, negative cultural stereotypes in general. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, AIDS in the 80s at some point was called gay cancer by some people or gay-related yeah. immune deficiency, which is obviously a horrible reductive uh, thing that's not going to help anybody get anywhere on this disease and isn't accurate. And
2: Yeah, and all that bad reporting and everything. And also, like, both not real reporting and inaccurate reporting led to it not being dealt with accurately for many, many years. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. Huge numbers of people died who didn't need to die because... Governments took too long dealing with it the
0: right way. Yeah, and even, and just like confused people about how to act as a person with it out there. Like, if you call it gay related immune deficiency, like people did at the time, then if you consider yourself straight, you're probably like, oh, well, that won't get to me.
1: Don't blame the wrong things. Speaking of blaming the wrong things, there was something <laughs> you wanted us to get to that I thought was great uh, a compendium of articles <laughs> about the things you can blame on your brain.
0: Yeah, let's talk about the brain, because that is such a internet thing, is like, this story will tell you what's going on with the brain, and their famous phrase is, science says you can blame your brain for a thing, (laughs) and we've got from the website, Inc, I-N-C, it's always late to work, science says you can blame your brain. Uh, From CNN, a full-on news source, lying may be your brain's fault, honestly. That's the entire headline. (laughs) It's like a dude just told you that, you know? Uh, then science alerts headline, if you can't stand the sound of people chewing, blame your brain. And then PC World said, blame it on your brain. Researchers discover why we ignore PC security warnings.
1: Oh, I love the Millie <laughs> reference. Oh, so great. <laughs> That's some good science reporting.
0: <laughs> and also uh, the entrepreneur, uh, sort of similar to PC World, where they're really pushing their own thing. Entrepreneur did a headline, which was, if you struggle with authority, science says blame your brain. And then it has a subheadline which is people who want to be their own bosses like entrepreneurs may fall into this neurological group <laughs> says entrepreneur <laughs> Uh, so Entrepreneur
2: Magazine finally is have some entrepreneur views. They're like, you who read us should know your brain is making you you. Like, okay, thanks. Cool. I think <laughs> if I saw someone in public reading Entrepreneur Magazine, I would not stop laughing at them. <laughs> like, I don't <laughs> think I can take
1: it. Is Entrepreneur a- the new introvert where everyone's like excited about self-diagnosing themselves <laughs> as, as, as an introvert and then... To- Posting things to their friends but, about how to deal with them because they're a unique and delicate it, soul. It,
2: it's and, definitely right. the thing that shows up in guys' Tinder bios if they don't have a real job but oh, do have rich parents. That's the best oh, boy, yeah. Entrepreneur
1: <laughs> such a red flag. That and sapiosexual in any kind of online dating <laughs> situation. Like, run, run away. Oh, man, yeah. <laughs> but I love the idea of but, blaming something on your brain as if there is a you that is separate from your brain. Like, of course, these yeah. things are your brain because you are your brain. That is all that you are. I mean, right, to right. say otherwise is to assign some kind of magical yeah. spiritualism to... Or, or at least your sort of wider <laughs> nervous system. It's, well, it, it's just, I mean, maybe everyone's so afraid of offending religious constituents that they all have to act like there's this meat thing that is your brain and then there's a you that is separate from that that is somewhere else you can't define but yeah everything all all that we're doing right now is our brain like you can blame what I'm saying on my brain because my brain is forming these words and your brain is <laughs> processing you as you listen to these words like everything is your brain it's just so trivial Yeah,
0: because to- we uh, we've also done uh, like uh, some columns on the site various people have written about how, Like, just as people psychologically will be like, I'm a good person, and also that thing I did that's not good, I was just tired or drunk or angry or whatever. Like, compartmentalize it like that. And all these stories let you compartmentalize your failings as your brain rather than yourself, which is like... As it's, a yeah a as it's dodge, Just like a sort of
2: separate bad friend that you just happen to... Just this gang that I just fell in with for a bit. This, <laughs> I, I was just running with my brain for a while, but it's not my brain. It's not me. Right. I only grew the entire thing across my life. It's not yeah, like it's, me, you know? It's, it's just, you know, the sum of my personality and views and uh, and everything that makes <laughs> me up. Genetics
1: and, and every experience I've yeah, had. And, yeah, it's, a, it's, all in one it's
2: just
0: a combination of my nature and nurture, but it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> well, And one more headline to show how far it goes is: This was in Scientific American's website The headline is Did you buy bitcoins? Your brain's anatomy might be to blame
1: Also I think Which, the plural of bitcoin is bitcoin, isn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty,
0: sure. I'm pretty yeah. sure too, yeah By, by <laughs> brain's anatomy, do you mean Your friend who wouldn't
2: stop telling you to buy bitcoin <laughs> it might be to blame
1: <laughs> Wait, is my brain's anatomy named Brian Cook? I, that's, that's right, that's right <laughs> Right. Most complex problems have complex solutions or explanations. Very few of exactly. them have simple, <laughs> here's the and mo- one... Um,
2: and most things when it comes to human behavior are some combination of nature and nurture. Some com- Certainly when it comes to uh, your psychological makeup or your your sexuality or gender presentation, there's it's almost certainly that it might be a combination of your DNA and also maybe the conditions you're exposed to in your womb or in your early years and maybe yeah. also some combination of it's, it's—it's all combinations of all different things. There's, it's very unlikely to be able to go like this one.
0: This is the <laughs> this is the gene that makes you be this. Right, like all the genes are in a police lineup, and it's like that's yeah, the yeah, one officer. Exactly. And it's the shifty one gene. That- this
2: is the one difference between a gay person and a straight person. it's—it's oh, it's not, but the, the headlines love that. Like science. Scientists have identified the thing that makes you whatever.
0: Along with genes, uh, I think Andy had picked out before this that brain chemicals and like, hormones and things also get labeled very broadly without us knowing that they're yeah, that thing. Yeah,
1: I think people just love to report things like dopamine, the happiness neurotransmitter, or serotonin, the happiness neurotransmitter, or oxytocin, the happiness neurotransmitter. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, well, well, And these are all things that that, ha- that contribute different things to your brain's functioning, but like, it's not as simple as... This is the one thing that causes this emotion across the board, but like you can't, yep. you can't write an article that gets into the nuances of what happens yeah. in, in in synapses and how all these different neurotransmitters can affect different yep. things and be present for We're different things. We're about reasons. to do an
2: episode with Dean Burnett, who's a neuroscientist who's just written a book called The Happy Brain, that is all about that, like what makes you happy. And it, again, it like it starts off talking about how like breaking down these different neurotransmitters, all of which have some effect on something that is approaching happening It not really it's
1: <laughs> it's very complicated like we were saying most things that appear complicated yeah. are, are complicated
2: but that that doesn't suit how reporting works particularly modern reporting yeah. even in the past when people had more time to firstly research and write a story and then read a story people had more time to read in the past they oh, would man. just sit down you know there was just they would sit down with their one newspaper that they read every day and they would read it cover to cover Mm -hmm. or they would watch their (laughs) half an hour of morning news
0: and listen listen slash watch it from start to finish. The news that they made a point of being there for. Like it was like a train. They had to catch it. Yes, and
2: even then there was wildly bad reporting and wildly reductive reporting. But nowadays, because of how we get our news from hundreds if not thousands of different sources and then amplified through the lens of... uh, social media which rewards things that are uh that stand out that are well clickbait that
1: yeah
2: you you end up with things that are outrageous you know the out the the black and white the the catchy the slogan headline wins so no one's interested in a chemical identified that marginally reduces the growth of cancer cell in lab yeah. They they want to know what cake they, they can eat or which
0: <laughs> what
2: what beer will stop me from getting lung cancer. I want to know specifically what to drink when I go to the bar tonight that will enable me to then smoke later but not get lung cancer. That's what I want to know, <laughs> know from this incredibly misleading headline. Just tell me that so that I can go to the bar and be happy and not think about things.
0: <laughs> There's also another thing that comes up quite a bit. Which is that, because we were talking about sort of this ecosystem of journals before, there's also journals that are just junk. They're called predatory science journals. It's basically a pay to play kind of thing. We have had, because
2: our website and email address has science in the title, we have a few times had spam emails asking oh. us to submit to these journals. I have. No I've I've had half a mind a couple of times to just for, to get the two of us together for uh, over a few beers and write up just any <laughs> nonsense and see if we can get it published. Well, if it, I think the yeah, the answer is we can get it published because as long as you're willing to pay a couple of hundred dollars or whatever it is that their fee is, right, it will be published yeah, and yeah. refereed
0: in the most loose possible sense. Someone just yeah, that'll do. Well, also, yeah. term refereed, is that like peer review or is that... Yes, sorry, of, yeah, sorry, yeah, that's, that's the yeah, British yeah, yeah. version of that. Great, great, yeah. And, and it is, like you say, like there is little or no review and refereeing of the things that get sent to them to the point where a guy in Australia decided to test how low they could go. And so he wrote up like an application for his dog to be on the boards of seven different predatory journals. And he... <laughs> He, like, framed the dog as a person, but all of the compliments and credits for it, he said, are clearly a dog. Like, he said that its research interests included the benefits of abdominal massage for medium-sized canines and the role of domestic canines in promoting optimal mental health in aging males, (laughs) which is, like, just being a dog. And he applied to 7 it got onto the board of all 7 of them cuz he paid for it one of them made it made the dog it's associate editor and then another one asked the dog to review an article which is very good for Ali the Staffordshire terrier she's great I really coming like up in work. the world but i don't know if there is a bit of bad science
2: there is i don't know if he did like a, any kind of like control study to see whether that <laughs> dog is actually a good scientists in what if, its own right
0: right or if like nature would bring them on you yeah
2: know, like yeah <laughs> oh, it turns out. okay that dog's now teaching at harvard or oh, that we really do have a like a cross industry problem with
0: this whole thing <laughs> We've been keeping dogs down, and yeah. it's unfair hiring practices. What
2: if the dog turns out the dogs are really good? They're just the good instinctual scientists. <laughs> I,
1: I've, th- I've always called them land octopuses for that reason. Right? <laughs> some of the <laughs> smartest.
2: I
0: thought it's just because they're good at getting in jars. <laughs> I think we've rolled it. It's like a lot of things people can watch out for in these stories, and then in a positive way, like improve their lives and know more about the world. Like, is there anything else that jumps out to you guys? Is like, oh, if somebody wants to be amazing at reading science news, like. Do this or be aware of this.
1: That's the thing I was hoping to come up with before we recorded today. I was like, I want to have a good summary at the end. I wish there were some pathway I think it's to built
0: in, but to, like, yeah, to have yeah.
1: to to you know encourage critical thought. But like everything complex, it's complex. There's no like one slogan you can <laughs> say like if it doesn't fit, you must acquit. Like there's no that for analyzing science articles. I, uh, but you know it, it just. Spend a little time. I don't know. Well, I, yeah, <laughs> spend yeah. a little time digging. I worry about the death of expertise. Like There should be a trust in a healthy healthy skepticism, but a trust in experts who have dedicated their lives to a subject that you can't familiarize yourself with with a few Well, I, I, I would also yeah. say
2: we, we sort of identify some of the pitfalls uh, through the episode, but the things I look out for generally are if it looks too good to be true, it probably is. If it's too clean and... Simple, a reduction yeah. of, a ver- of a what should be a complex thing. Yeah. It's probably some level of nonsense. The the other thing I would say, if you do have the time to, if you happen to be reading it on a computer, this is easier. But normally, somewhere in the article, it will mention at the very least, if not actively linked to, who did the study. And if like if it, if it's something you're interested in, you can normally within a couple of seconds of searching online find a link to the paper not normally the whole paper normally the ho- often the whole paper's behind a paywall but the abstract like the front page that's basically a two paragraph summary yeah. and at the very least you can skim that and see if it is saying something close to what the article is saying because it again if it, if it's sort of the article is saying this is the thing that'll make this thing and then the abstract is like no it's uh, this is uh, a <laughs> the trouble is obviously those studies are more jargony are more full of scientific technical language than the yeah. article but even the press release that comes from which will be a little bit more sensationalized than the original abstract but the press release from the uh the universe, actual researchers the you're research lab or the university closer to the primary source yeah you're that. getting yeah. you're getting closer and then also you're even just googling the scientist's name because quite often once the story comes out the scientists themselves will then go that's not what I said at all. There'll be an article very quickly or a blog post from them going like, I don't know why they got that from our study, but that is not what we wanted to say.
1: Not to take a dig at the social sciences, but we have a friend who is a psychology professor. I won't name him in case this gets him in trouble. But uh, when I was consulting him when I was working on that show that was trying to do these classic psychology experiments, recreated, his sort of rule of thumb was when it comes to psychology studies, the more Sensational and counterintuitive and surprisingly are, the more likely those are to be uh, not held up when replicated or or debunked. So it turns out a a lot of valid psychology studies are the ones that kind of end up being like, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense to me. Like the (laughs) the really surprising ones end up being, like there was one that we we did this whole thing to have people (laughs) injected with Botox to try to back up this study that had shown that if you have Botox and you have, facial muscles paralyzed that allow you to express certain emotions, um, you will be worse at reading others' emotions. The theory being that part of empathizing is recreating someone else's facial expressions and then allowing yourself to feel what that emotion feels like. And if your face is paralyzed and can't do it, you become less attuned to others' emotions as expressed by their facial expressions. And then after we'd gone through all this trouble of injecting a bunch of people with Botox and having to come back to the same study weeks later, there was someone else who had tried to replicate this and found the exact opposite findings. (laughs) No. (laughs) So, yeah, there's no great lesson from that except uh, be a little little dubious of very outlandish psychology study claims.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, and also I guess if it's Incredibly surprising sounding, and you do that digging into it a bit, you might get to find out that it's for real. Wouldn't that be exciting? Like, wouldn't that be great? You know, right? You win that way too. Yeah, I think that's a great point. Folks, that is the episode for this week. My thanks to Matt Kershen and to Andy Wood for putting on their mental high-waisted waders and trudging through the swamps of internet science with me. And hey you, why don't you sail over those swamps in a fanboat and write into our food notes where you will find amazing reporting on reporting from Cracked and Elsewhere. How to be news literate and know what you're looking at. A um, couple of things we talked about broadly in that episode that I can specify now. Betteridge's Law is that law of headlines that Andy brought up where if it ends in a question, it's because it's not a thing. It's called Betteridge's Law. Ridge is the first person to make it sort of an internet canon law, if you know what I mean. Also, I mentioned very, very in passing the idea of somebody making a child grow up without language in their castle. That refers to James IV of Scotland. He was a king who forced children to grow up without language to see what would happen. That also was based on a possibly apocryphal experiment by Frederick II of the Holy Roman Empire, we're linking an io9 article about old European kings making kids grow up not speaking anything. They wanted to find out what Adam and Eve spoke, so they made them do that. Pretty nuts. Also, we're going to do our best to clearly categorize this set of food notes, because some of them are links to the bad reporting that we talked about, and much of it is links to good reporting and just interesting stuff. So look in there for some kind of cool system. You know what else is cool? Matt and Andy. Here's some tips on getting more of them in your life. You can see Matt's writing and sometimes Matt Kirshen himself on the Jim Jeffries show on Comedy Central. That's just a good show, hosted by a good comedian. Check it out. You can also hear Andy Wood along with his co-host TJ Chambers on their podcast Twinsies. That is about the phenomenon of two super specific movie premises happening at the same time, e.g. The Prestige and The Illusionist. And of course you can hear matt and andy together on probably science check it out and as far as this episode of the cracked podcast goes our theme music is chicago falcon by the budos band our episode was engineered by ryan connor and edited by chris souza if you love this episode that is great if you hated it let me know about it on social media that's right social media a place where you can find out the even cooler science news that's really happening if you stop scrolling and dig a little. And while you're pausing on there and taking a break, why don't you step over and find my Twitter account at Alex Schmidty? That's my name with a Y on the end. I'm also on the wider internet at my website, alexschmitty.com. And I'm happy to say we will be back next week with more Cracked Podcast. So how about that? Talk to you then.